This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, December 8th, 2022 on your public radio station, KUAF. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Happy Thursday. I'm Kyle Kellams. The 25th Annual Homeless Vigil, hosted by the Fayetteville Student Council, takes place tonight and tomorrow morning on the Fayetteville High School campus. Students will be accepting monetary donations and non-perishable food items from 5 to 11 tonight. There will also be FHS-related clothing for sale, proceeds benefiting the school's Families in Transition program. The previous 24 vigils have raised almost $161,000. Later this hour on Ozarks, the Riders Colony at Derry Hollow in Eureka Springs has been providing a home for writers of all kinds from around the world to work on their words for 22 years. A literary magazine and a public reading series, part of the evolution of the colony. We learn more in today's second half hour. All right, this is the Season of Giving Fund Fundraising Week at KUAF 91.3. We remind you that we're able to be here because of you and other listeners who make monetary donations to this nonprofit radio station. You can make your contribution, if you haven't yet, right now at supportkuaf.com. We we put this up, uh, we do this week at the end of the year because we know that it's a time when you're thinking about how to share uh, the wealth, what you can do at the end of the year to help the nonprofits that are important to you. And if you think about 2022, KUAF has been your reliable source of quality journalism during that year. Consider all that KUAF has reported on and informed you of this past year. Just some examples. Coverage of the ongoing landmark trial on Arkansas Trans Youth Medical Ban in Little Rock. The impact and implications of growth of our area on rural land and municipalities. That's in our Report for American Rural Growth Series that's being conducted with our Report for America reporter Anna Pope, who joined the staff this year. Plus ongoing coverage of COVID and flu cases in Arkansas as we have moved into flu season. This year, you turned to KUAF for facts and context, for international and national news, and also for news from your community. Today, we turn to you. Our contributing listeners make KUAF possible. You can make a year-end contribution to keep KUAF strong right now at supportkuaf.com, and thank you. We begin today's show with an updated approach to how the state of Arkansas will handle a growing number of people living with Alzheimer's. Arkansas has at least 58,000 people aged 65 or older living with Alzheimer's, and the Alzheimer's Association expects that figure to grow by more than 15% in the next five years. That same report estimates about 93,000 Arkansans are caregivers to people with Alzheimer's, providing millions of hours of unpaid care. And almost three-fourths of those caregivers have chronic health conditions. This fall, the Alzheimer's Association announced an updated, comprehensive Alzheimer's and dementia state plan. We invited David Cook, Senior Public Policy Manager for the Alzheimer's Association Arkansas Chapter, to our Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. I asked him what had changed since the last time the Arkansas plan was updated more than 10 years ago. What was largely different for us here in Arkansas was that case prevalence had um, nearly doubled uh, mm. since that time. Also, um, uh, research advances happening very rapidly in that space. We've seen in increased funding for, uh, for Alzheimer's research. Um, also, just more and more challenges in terms of the damage that it's done to the workforce. Uh, caregivers, per se, having to leave the workforce early, retire early um, to become full-time caregivers. Um, and so the impact and the ripple effect that it's had across the state has certainly magnified over the last 10 years. This this updated plan includes four priority areas that that 
the report says the state should be proactive to be thinking about the future. Do you mind if we go through these? Sure thing, yes. Uh, access and quality of care. So access to quality of care, when the group got together and, and identified these four priorities, let's talk just a moment about where these came from. Um, they were actually inspired by the um, Healthy Brain Initiative Roadmap, uh, which is a collaborative effort between the Alzheimer's Association and the, uh, the CDC. Um, and the roadmap identifies areas and strategies that states can take to improve their response and prioritize their response to Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. So when we looked at access and quality of care, we wanted to make sure that um, where you live in the state uh, doesn't determine the access you have to services, support services such as dementia education, uh, awareness, a caregiver training, um, access to basic um, home care that you might need, access to assisted living facilities. Um, and that certainly is a, a difficult problem that we see um, outside of the metros when you get into the rural areas of the state, uh, specifically down the delta, those, um, those parts of the state are grossly underserved. And so the state needs to have a strategy uh, to provide more access to care, um, and, and just because you live in a certain zip code shouldn't deny you access to services. But um, certainly with the pandemic, it's only magnified that problem here in the state that we do have limited access, um, but not just access to care. We want to make sure that there's good quality care as well. And so we looked at, um, we did an analysis of, of where can people access services, and we also tried to uh, begin the process of establishing a metric to, to where we define that quality of care. And what does that really mean? Um, what are we looking for. And that sort of dovetails with one of the other things, public awareness. Certainly. Um, and, you know, our, our prevalence states that um, there are 58,000 Arkansans over the age of 65 currently living with Alzheimer's. Um, we think those forecasts are grossly low. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and those low estimates have to do with just awareness um, uh, and, and education around what is Alzheimer's. Um, it, and, and part of that education is to explain the fact that Alzheimer's is not a normal part of aging. It is a degenerative brain disease, um, and it is it does not discriminate. And so more awareness around the hallmarks and, and, and what the disease is, physician education on how to diagnose and have these conversations about cognitive health with their patients, certainly an area we need to address, but public education around risk reduction. What, what are some things I can do to improve my brain health? Um, those are some strategies other states have taken that Arkansas has been slow to take here, and we're, we're, we're hopeful that we see some traction in the health department where we'll begin to start addressing those things and, and do more messaging, public health messaging around the importance of brain health. You mentioned the tens of thousands of Arkansans who are living with Alzheimer's. There are tens of thousands of people who are caregivers and support is important for caregivers too. And I was really encouraged that the group pulled that priority out on its own to build support for family caregivers. They recognized, uh, to your point, there are over 93,000 caregivers who are providing care for someone with Alzheimer's or dementia. In 2021, it's estimated those caregivers provided over 139 million hours of unpaid care. Unpaid care. And the value of that care to the state is $2.2 billion in cost savings. Um, and, and so as you kind of think about our caregivers, uh, one of the things that we looked at is who are these caregivers? Well, over two-thirds of the caregivers are, are women. Um, they, um, they have their own health issues they're addressing. We're also seeing an emergence of what we call sandwich caregivers, and those are people who have uh, are, are called to care for their, their 
parents, but they also might have children um, living in the home. Uh, we have one family caregiver. Her mother was diagnosed at 57. Um, she had a business. She also had five kids at home. Uh, she left her small business to become a full-time caregiver. Her family is a good example of what we're seeing across the state. There might be caregivers who um, make too much to qualify for Medicaid services, but they don't quite make enough um, to pay for private pay home services. And so they're kind of left there. Uh, and so what we did earlier this year is establish a pilot program that provided a dementia caregiver respite grant for those caregivers, targeting folks um, who not really uh, based on their income, but based on the acuity. Um, if they are providing care for someone with a dementia diagnosis, they can receive a respite grant. Um, and it, the, the response has been um, just overwhelming as we've kind of seen the need over the last six months. Um, and so supporting our family caregivers is going to be essential. Um, if we don't make a, a plan to respond to that, um, Alzheimer's and dementia will break uh, the state Medicaid's budget. Mm. So you can identify uh, the priority areas how do you implement this? So one of the things uh, recorded in the statute in um, 2021 um, within Act 391 um, is four things. Uh, first, um, it established a permanent Alzheimer's and Dementia Advisory Council here in Arkansas. So that's a part of a permanent statute. Um, it also requires regularly updating the Alzheimer's state plan, um, regular reporting. And then it also, uh, as a part of that reporting, we have to report on the, implementation of the implement, implementation of the state plan. Um, our goal behind that was to make sure that the state plan became a living document and, to your point, was actually implemented. Um, many of the objectives that were listed in the first state plan went unimplemented because there wasn't a dedicated task force assigned to kind of follow through work. And so one of the roles of the Alzheimer's Dementia Advisory Council is to um, not only just come up with a strategy but also work together to implement it because around the table are the stakeholders and the state agencies who actually do this work every day. If we're talking minimum of 58,000 people, and it's probably more than that. And, and we're talking, you know, workforce issues, we're talking economy, we're talking healthcare. Would it be best if there was, uh, this is all not the right term, but an Alzheimer's care czar in Arkansas? Sure. And, and, and to your point, our, our numbers, we, we think our forecasted numbers are low. Over the next two years, um, those numbers will increase by 15.5%. Arkansas has several things that are working against it in terms of case prevalence. Uh, number one is the unknown. Um, we, we know that there is a connection between uh, those who have long COVID and mm -hmm. um, developing some cognitive issues. So we're still unclear about the impact of, of COVID-19 is going to be on, on dementia case prevalence. Uh, second, as I mentioned earlier, most of these cases go undiagnosed, um, and 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 Arkansas is is uh, ranks very high in some of these other uh, comorbidities that influence case prevalence, such as high numbers of diabetes, um, hypertension. Uh, all of those things are pushing to increase case prevalence, and and, and it is a public health crisis. Uh, the state legislature. Legislature has admitted that um, through resolutions and statutes that this is an, a, 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 a serious public health crisis impacting the state. Um, and so what we'd like to see is a dedicated position within the Department of Human Services, um, an Alzheimer's and Dementia Advisory Council, um, because what we when we looked at is we take a 30,000 
foot view of the state plan is that we identified that the state already has some good pieces of public health infrastructure in place, and there's some resources out there. But so often those resources remain siloed within those institutions and organizations. And so what a, a state dementia coordinator would do is make sure that there is no duplication of efforts, that these efforts are coordinated, that there's public awareness around the resources that are available, that we also look at strategies in terms of Medicaid waivers on how we can better support those living with uh, dementia and support their family caregivers as well. Um, and, and so a, a dedicated position within state government will make sure that all these services and um, these outreach uh, programs and parts of the state plan will become implemented and that there is better coordination around the state, which is something that we hear from constituents all the time. David Cook is Senior Public Policy Manager for the Alzheimer's Association's Arkansas Chapter. He spoke with me at the Carver Center for Public Radio yesterday. You can find the updated Alzheimer's plan for Arkansas at alz.org slash Arkansas. There is also a webinar about addressing Alzheimer's in Arkansas taking place Tuesday afternoon at 3. We have a link for registration for that webinar at ozarksatlarge.com. After nearly a year of work, the Arkansas Women's Commission is releasing its final report of recommendations. The group was asked to identify barriers to women's participation in the labor force. Commission Chair Allison Williams says access to child care and the impacts of the pandemic both had a big impact on the number of women in the workforce. COVID-19 exacerbated long-standing challenges, especially for those women in rural communities who may have already had difficulty accessing quality childcare due to the clustering of childcare in more heavily populated areas, transportation challenges, or availability for second and third shift workers. Access to basic physical and mental health services also dramatically declined during COVID and still has not rebounded. Outgoing Governor Asa Hutchinson reconvened the group earlier this year after nearly 50 years without meeting or producing a report. In a news conference at the state capitol yesterday, the governor said it was important to highlight the pay disparity between men and women in Arkansas. I believe it compared 2016 data with 2020, so it's a four-year span of time and progress was made. The income disparity reduced, but there's still the gap there. And, uh, and so it, it illustrates that uh, in society we are making some progress, but it is uh, slow. Governor Hutchinson also announced $200,000 in funding to go to Arkansas State University's efforts to boost female entrepreneurship. The commission's final report also recommends more mental health resources, increasing awareness of programs for single parents, and new incentives for early childhood educators to remain in the profession. Happy Holidays from the KUAF and Friends Holiday Giveaway. This is your chance to win a gift from one of many generous KUAF underwriters. Participants include Hillberry Music Festival, the Fable Farmer's Market, David Adams Fine Jewelers, and more. Winners announced Friday, December 9th during the noon edition of Ozarks at Large. Details and registration available at KUAF.com. KUAF is supported by Fayetteville Animal Shelter and Services. Supported by the City of Fayetteville and dedicated to the welfare of animals and the people who associate with them. Information at 444-3456 or Fayetteville Animal Services on Facebook. Coming up next on Ozarks at Large, Paul Gatling and the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Kyle Kellums. This is Ozarks at Large, and this is the KUAF Season of Giving Fundraiser, where we remind you that here at the end of the year, we have been your source throughout 2022 for all kinds of information. 
And you can make a contribution in support of all kinds of information and entertainment at supportkuaf.com. There was a time when the only place to share news, events, and happenings was the public square. Living in community with others was the role to understanding each other and the world around us. Okay, we can all agree that public square has changed dramatically. It changes seemingly every week. But our need to learn and understand one another has not changed. In fact, I would say that need has increased. When you support KUAF, you're supporting a virtual public square where you learn not just about the headlines of the day, but about culture, about music, and the issues that are important to you and our community in a moment, a conversation about philanthropy in the past and in the future. This all happens when you lend your voice and support. You can lend your voice by contacting us. You can find our emails at KUAF.com, and you lend your support when you go to supportkuaf.com. More than three-fourths of our budget comes from local sources, the businesses that underwrite, and the listeners that listen and contribute. The amount, 100% up to you if you'd like to become a sustaining member and give $5, $10, $20 a month through your debit card, your credit card, or your bank account. You can do that. We just know that to continue to bring you all this news, information, culture, and music, we need to hear from you. Support KUAF.com, and thank you. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Arkansas Governor-elect Sarah Sanders has started announcing appointments to her cabinet this week. One of those is longtime outdoor recreation business owner and Arkansas tourism industry promoter Mike Mills. Sanders has nominated Mills to be the next Secretary of the Department of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism. Mills is the founder and owner of Buffalo Outdoor Center near Ponca in Newton County. It was Arkansas's first log cabin resort. The center opened in 1976 and has had more than 12 million guests and collected more than $1 million in tourism taxes while donating more than $40,000 to the Tourism Development Foundation. Sanders says the 72-year-old Mills is one of the premier outdoor recreation and tourism leaders not only in the state of Arkansas, but across the country. Sanders' cabinet nominations will be considered by the state Senate for confirmation early next year. After the break, Arkansas Community Foundation CEO Heather Larkin discusses trends in philanthropy. You're listening to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create health care solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Heather Larkin is the CEO of the Arkansas Community Foundation a nonprofit organization that helps Arkansans protect, grow, and direct their charitable dollars into community needs. 
Larkin spoke recently with Roby Brock about charitable giving during the pandemic and whether or not that sort of virtual fundraising model is sustainable moving forward. I always want you to start off with telling everybody what the Arkansas Community Foundation does because it just sounds like you found communities, but there's but but tell everybody what you do. It's a little more complicated, but we are a statewide grant making foundation. We work in all 75 counties. We are the largest grant maker in the state by the number of grants we give, not by the dollars, but we touch about four to five thousand nonprofits every year. And uh, we make our grants uh, primarily through donor relationships. So donors establish funds with us. We help them make those grants to improve the nonprofit sector in Arkansas. Give me just kind of one recent example that highlights that uh, partnership. Uh, well, we've got a donor who established a, a donor-advised fund years ago. Their family meets every Thanksgiving, sits around the table. They discuss their charitable giving. We help them process those charitable grants, get those grant proposals in, and then get the checks out the door for year-end giving. All right. That's how it works, kids. Mm -hmm. Pay attention. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to back up. I want to talk about what happened in the pandemic. I want to come later to what happened out of the pandemic, yeah. but let's begin. What, what did you see in terms of charitable giving when the pandemic hit? Yeah. Well, of course, it was the perfect storm. Um, uh, lots of nonprofits suffered a great deal. In fact, the, the statistics show us now that over half of nonprofits were in a position of real danger on their financial stability through the pandemic. Needs were up, and for a while, donations were down as we were trying to figure out how to give and how to respond. Uh, but nonprofits did adapt, and donors did dig deep and really focus in primarily on human services, mm -hmm. um, types of giving, as you would expect. The arts programs and some of those nonprofits suffered a little more throughout the pandemic, but uh, donors did respond. Donors did respond. What were some of the adaptations? What did some people, what did some nonprofits well, do differently? What did some donors mm -hmm. do differently? As you can imagine, um, many nonprofits, one of their primary revenue streams are events, right. as you know, <laughs> well. and there were no events during yeah. COVID. And so nonprofits had to quickly adapt to either virtual events, digital and virtual appeals, uh, even from, you know, just meeting donors. It all went to, to Zoom and to online meetings to try to engage those relationships. And I think most nonprofits did a really good job. Volunteers during COVID, that was another um, adaptation because we could not have volunteers come into our nonprofits. And so the food banks had to really uh, pivot and figure out how to work when you don't have a volunteer base. And they did. They did. Um, so that whole process of giving and, and everything being more virtual, mm -hmm. um, that's just, I, I have found it's unsustainable in the long run. Part of giving and connecting with nonprofits and uh, organizations that do good in the community is about face-to-face -face relationships yes. and, and touch points, quite frankly. Yes. Um, I, I just wonder if you agree with that philosophy that, I mean, it, it worked and they survived, but it's not the model for yeah. the future. That is that is very true. To, to get people to give, you have to have a, a relationship and really a, a connection. Um, and so what nonprofits have had to do and will continue to have to do is to get better and better at that digital store, storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got to be able to get our message out uh, digital, digitally, virtually and then build those relationships. That's the case with young donors too, Roby. Um, they're our future, of course, and they're very, very generous. Millennials are extremely generous. You have to get to them somehow through technology. 
But once you get to them, you have got to build a relationship. They're very relationship-oriented about their nonprofits and their charitable giving. And it's a, it's a challenge for nonprofits to, to figure this out. Um, increasing our ability to work with donors, new donors, existing donors, uh, through technology, but then to build that personal relationship so that they'll continue to give. What you're telling me is you're about to start a TikTok division over well, at the Arkansas Community Foundation. <laughs> the younger and smarter people than I, uh, perhaps. We're going to have to figure that out. All right, so post-pandemic, mm -hmm. as things have returned to whatever the new normal is, mm -hmm. what, what have you seen happening um, kind of after, the when it's been okay to get back mm -hmm. together again? Well, we, some good news. Uh, donations are continuing to increase. Donor retention has increased. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of nonprofits found new donors during COVID as, as people tried to respond, and those donors have stuck with uh, those nonprofits. Um, I think going forward again, it's all about balancing the events and the personal relationships with online giving. Online giving is here to stay, just like online shopping. We see that through Giving Tuesday, yep. of course. What did you see this last Giving Tuesday? I mean, I know it's early and you can't say yeah. everything's settled, but I mean, you did see activity and you probably have gotten some preliminary estimates yeah. of how some folks yeah. have done. It looks good so far. Uh, giving Tuesday is, it's its like everything. It's like Cyber Monday. We're, we're Soaked in emails. I mean, I'm in the business and delete, delete, delete. Well, I got about 50 of them, yep. so I mean, you I'm know. right there with we you. We all so. get them. But it, it does work because what you do is you delete, delete, delete until you see your nonprofit. And when, if you have that relationship and you believe in that cause, then you do pause on, on Giving Tuesday and make that gift. I did. Yeah. Um, so there is saturation. There is some donor fatigue, perhaps, of the information that we get. But as far as charitable giving, the numbers look good. All right, that's Heather Larkin, CEO of the Arkansas Community Foundation. And you can watch that entire interview over on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other news this week, Arlington, Texas-based D.R. Horton, the nation's largest home-building company, has a deal in place to buy the operations of Fayetteville home builders Darren and Kevin Riggins, who've built homes and developed residential neighborhoods throughout northwest Arkansas for 30 years. The deal has not yet been announced, but sources tell the Business Journal that the two sides will finalize the acquisition this week, and it is believed to be worth more than $100 million. D.R. Horton had nearly $28 billion in revenue last year. And America's Car Mart of Rogers says it will acquire the dealership assets of Taylor Auto Credit of Taylor, Texas, in a deal that should close by the end of this year. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. Taylor Auto Credit was founded in 1990 by Keith and Marcia Hagler. It has one location in Taylor, which is near Austin. For more news, visit us at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. I am in the Harold Blanchcock News Studio with Timothy Dennis. Timothy, let's talk music. Let's do it. Okay, well, quite a bit to talk about this weekend. Let's start with tomorrow night, 
going to talk about something we've heard about a little bit earlier in the week on our program, Gar Holidays. Gar Holidays. Gar Holidays, Gar Holidays. Anyway, however you pronounce it, it's a two-day showcase happening at George's Majestic Lounge. Friday night, they're featuring music from Dylan Earl, Willie Carlisle, Jess Harp, and Austin Cash. On Saturday, they're featuring Nick Shoulders, the Daiquiri Queens, Chris Acker, and the Losteens. I mean, those are two really cool nights of music. And the funny thing is, I've interviewed all but two of those bands at some point in the past. Well, let's get the others in here. I would love to. Okay. I would love to. Tickets are $20 in advance. They go up to $23 at the door for Friday night. Two-day passes are still available. There are a few of them. And how much are those? Those are $40, oh, I believe. Not bad. And we should point out, in case you don't know, Garhole Records is a, a label based in Fayette. Correct. And, and they're actually artists. based a couple blocks from KUAF. Right. The show gets underway at 9 o'clock Friday night. I believe it gets underway at 8.30 Saturday. And again, that's at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. Okay, more music happening Friday night. The band Maple Street will be at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. They're a jazz-inspired funk and rock band from Salem Springs. Is there a place they could play on Maple in Fayetteville? Not an actual established yeah, like venue, but concert, I mean, I like, I'm sure they could play at sorority houses or what have you. Sure, okay. Anyway, that show with Maple Street at 612 Coffee House gets underway at 8 o'clock Friday night. Moving on. Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville Friday night is going to have a concert featuring Randall Shreve, Samantha Hunt, Foggy Bobcat, and Patty Steele. Can go swimming in the constellations overhead. Dancing the sun like it was 3001. Turn it up millennium. It's a benefit concert for Candace Hollenchick, a local music fan who's battling cancer. Right. Tickets are $20 in advance. They go up to $25 at the door. That gets underway at 7.30 Friday evening, again at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. Chelsea's in Eureka Springs Friday night is going to have the band Some Friends on stage. They're a Des Moines-based reggae band, and this is their first show in Arkansas. has this great pipeline. Yeah, Every they time do. you bring up Chelsea's, you say, they're out of Boulder or Des Moines or someplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really kind of amazed at how many great out-of-state acts they get yeah. onto their stage. Cover for that show Friday night is $5. That'll get underway at 9 o'clock, again, Friday night at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. The Auditorium in Eureka Springs Friday night is continuing their Home for the Holidays series of free concerts. This is the second weekend. They are featuring Obligafia, Five and Dime Collective, Eureka Waters Trio, Los Roscos, Melon Light Production, and Larry King. I'm sure it's not the Larry King. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure it's not. Because uh, right. he's dead. Right. Tearing his That is a free concert that gets underway at 7.30 Friday evening at the auditorium in Eureka Springs. Just for a second, you've got this great lineup of multiple artists Friday night at George's, mm -hmm. this great benefit multiple artists lineup at Meteor and Bentonville, and then that one at the odds. Yeah, there's a lot of music happening Friday night, a lot of quality entertainment. And one more happening Friday night. 
Majestic in Fort Smith is going to have Rock and Roll from Texas featuring Austin Mee. It's true. Hour opens that show. Tickets are $15 in advance. Go up to $18 at the door. That starts at about 8 o'clock Friday night again at Majestic and Fort Smith. Moving on to Saturday, JJ's Live in Fayetteville is going to welcome Flatland Cavalry to the stage. They're a country folk Americana band. Okay. He might make me feel like I used to back when if he were still Tickets start at $27.50. That gets underway at 7.30 Saturday evening at JJ's Live in Fayetteville. Moving on, Saturday night in Fayetteville, Smoke and Barrel Tavern is going to have Chucky Wags in the house. He's joined on that bill by Gary Lawrence. That show gets underway at about 9 o'clock Saturday evening again at Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville. Nomads Trailside in Fayetteville are going to have a concert featuring Circle of Thirds, Pillar Reef and Milden Hall. It's a benefit relief concert for Matt Johnson, who recently suddenly passed away and was formerly of the band Milden Hall. That show gets underway at 7 o'clock. Saturday evening, again at Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville. Admission is free, but they're asking for donations. Happening over in Eureka Springs, Saturday night, Chelsea's is going to welcome back Central Arkansas rock and roll band to France. Yep, they're good. They're really good. $5. That gets in the way at 9 o'clock Saturday evening again at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. And Got a Hole Brewing in Eureka Springs on Saturday is going to welcome Dominic Brian Roy to their stage, local folk artist. And I forgot the taste of bread. And I forgot the sound. That gets underway at 5 o'clock Saturday evening again at Gotta Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. Sunday, Chelsea's in Eureka Springs is going to have the previously postponed album release show for Patti Steele's new album, No Better. Which is so good. She's joined on that bill by Samantha Hunt and Kim Kutina. That show gets underway at 6 o'clock Sunday evening at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Also happening Sunday evening in Eureka Springs, the auditorium will have the Ozarks Chorale Holiday Concert. Oh, fun. Tickets are about $10. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Sunday evening at the auditorium in Eureka Springs. And then jumping ahead to Monday, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have Langhorn Slim on stage. Yeah. I was waiting for your mouth to drop on that one. I saw him when he was at JJ's. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. Yeah. So good. He's a great, great, great songwriter. Musically wears his heart on his sleeve. Oh, absolutely. Engages with the audience. Oh, my gosh. Now watch the shadows dance, hear the crickets creak. Now I'm on the street. 
Tickets are $25 in advance. They go up to $30 at the door. That takes place at 8 o'clock Monday evening at George's in Fayetteville. Then Wednesday evening, Smoke and Barrel Tavern is going to have the next On the Map show featuring an evening of alt rock with the touring band Twin and the central Arkansas-based band Pet. Tickets are $10. That gets underway at 9 o'clock Wednesday at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. And then George's in Fayetteville Wednesday night is going to have a Loretta Lynn tribute featuring Opal Agafia and Friends. Ooh. That should be a good night of music. Ooh, that should be a really good night of music. Tickets are $15. That'll get underway at 8 o'clock next Wednesday at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. And that takes care of us, gives you plenty of options for the next several days. Sure does. Timothy, thank you. Thank you. The Scott Family Amazium invites guests to explore unique gift options for everyone in the family at the museum store, Curiosity Corner, online or in person. From puzzles to experiments to games and everything needed to make learning at home fun. Amazium memberships available for year-round visits. Information at amazium.org. Next week, by the way, on Ozarks at Large, I'll be talking with Sam Dean, who is the executive director of the Scott Family Amazing. He's been there 10 years. We'll talk about what's changed for him in those 10 years. What hasn't changed for KUAF in the past 30-plus years is how we depend upon you. And we remind you during this season of giving end-of-year fundraiser that we continue to depend on you. In fact, we depend on you more than ever. A bigger part of our budget every year comes from listeners just like you, who support us. Our contributing listeners, by far, the biggest part of the reason we continue to be able to bring you the programs, not just like Ozarks at Large, but Science Friday, Morning Edition, All Things Considered, uh, The Pick and Post. We're able to bring you these shows because of your continued support. So thank you. And you can make that support at supportkuaf.com. And we understand that the last two or three years have been really sort of challenging for folks between the pandemic and a lot of folks lost jobs and picked up extra uh, expenses and now inflation. We understand that not everyone has the ability to contribute right now. That's why it's so important that if you do have the ability to contribute right now and you've been meaning to, maybe it's been a couple of years since you have, that you do join in with thousands of your fellow listeners and contribute what you can at supportkuaf.com. And I will mention, again, for this season of Giving Fundraiser, we're offering a special gift to you as thanks for your contribution. It's the fifth annual KUAF Live CD. It's a collection of live performances, musical performances, from throughout 2022. And we're celebrating our fifth year of bringing you the best in live music on KUAF by offering a CD bundle. So you can request the 2022 KUAF Live Volume 5 Double CD. It includes, uh, I think, more than two dozen performances, both from the Lunch Hour, the concert, the free concert series that takes place in our lobby, and from this show, Ozarks at Large. But if you say you can give $20 a month or $240 at one time, you could get all five KUAF Live CDs, the whole set, this is only until supplies last. Now, that will include our very first ever KUAF Live CD, the one that was the 30th anniversary of Ozarks at Large, that collection. There's the 2021 Holiday Collection, which compiled years of holiday song performances on our show. And then, of course, you'll get the double CDs from 2019 and this year. That includes tracks from the Lunch Hour Monthly Concert Series. Think of 
Think of how good that would be for a holiday gift for you or someone on your list. This all comes to you if you request it for a $20 a month sustaining membership or a $240 one-time contribution. But again, the amount of contribution is completely up to you. We just love to hear from you or read from you right now at supportkuaf.com and thank you. This is Ozarks at Large, and thank you again for supporting KUAF Public Radio and for the past 32 and a half years, this program. We would not be here to bring you stories of where you live without your continued attention and support, and we do not forget that. The Riders Colony at Dairy Hollow in Eureka Springs has been providing a place for riders to concentrate on their work for 22 years. The Riders Colony was founded by rider, chef, and champion of the arts Crescent Dragon Wagon at her already established Bed and Breakfast Inn, near downtown Eureka. The Writers' Colony is launching a new series of events connected to its literary magazine, Emerge. The first such event, featuring local and visiting writers, will take place at Brews in Eureka at 7 Tuesday night. Yesterday, I called Tara Cloud Clark, the executive director of the Writers' Colony, to ask about the event, the magazine, and a bit about the colony itself. And she developed it into a writer's colony, a residency for writers to come and just focus on their work. And we provide, um, at a low cost, we provide suites with a private bathroom and writing area. And we have a common kitchen where you can get your breakfast and lunch foods. Um, And then Monday through Friday, we prepare a European-style dinner for all of our writers and residents to come and eat together and share their daily experiences. And sometimes it turns into poetry readings and collaborations, and it's really a beautiful thing. Um, So we've been around for 22 years now. And uh, one of our great uh, supporters, Charles Templeton, started an online magazine, uh, which he called Emerge, and eventually he handed it over to us. So now we uh, manage it. It is a quarterly literary magazine. It's only online right now. And uh, while we've mostly focused in the northwest Arkansas area, we are looking to expand um, our Writership. Uh, we do have people from all over the country and all over the world that have been published in Emerge, and uh, we're just looking to grow that. One of our focuses is that we like to um, provide a um, platform for emerging writers to publish uh, side by side with experienced writers who um, already have uh, developed, you know, their own audience. So that gives our writers opportunities to uh, work together and connect with each other and also be exposed to each other's audiences. Um, It is edited by Joy Clark. Uh, She is also over the media and marketing for the Writers' Colony. Um, She is a graduate of the University of Arkansas. Um, She got her master's in creative writing there, I believe. And she is an incredibly talented writer and... um, editor for the magazine. And and the 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 event on the 13th which is going to be at Brews 
is sort of this, uh, I like this combination of what's happening with Emerge and what's happening at the Writer's Colony all at once, isn't it? Right, exactly. Uh, so I'm, I'm new to the position. I've been here for about five months, and uh, the previous executive director was able to train me in, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she did a lot of work helping the colony get to be to a point where it's self-sustainable. And so I get to kind of build off of that. And one of my focuses is making sure that we're cross-promoting all of our services. So we have the colony where residents can come and stay um, and we have events, uh, especially in the Eureka Springs area, though we're trying to expand to northwest Arkansas as a whole. Um, we have a podcast, the Right Now podcast, where our our Joy, she interviews writers that have stayed at the colony. Um, we have some video content, but we're trying to develop that to, to develop that more. So subscribe to our YouTube channel, please, so we can do live video. Um, and then, of course, we have Emerge, and we're wanting to cross-promote where we can and make sure that um, we're seen as a comprehensive organization, not just different facets. And so having an event, a live reading in the area where we can serve the community and provide entertainment to the community and feature some of our local writers um, on a quarterly basis and promote Emerge as it comes out each quarter is uh, kind of our goal. And then we had such great response from our writers who have been published in Emerge asking if we could do a virtual version too. So we will also be doing a virtual version in between our live versions. And it's a, it's a pretty interesting collection of, of readers that you'll have on the 13th. Yes, we have poets and short story writers. Um, I'm I'm not familiar as familiar as Joy is with all of the writers, but um, I have read some of the works. We've got Zeke Taylor, who's actually started as an artist and now uh, does his own uh, memoir style writing, um, short pieces, creative essays, I guess. Um, and then Ruth Mitchell is a novelist. Uh, Dan Mar- Morris does short stories. Um, and then we have two writers and residents who haven't been published in Emerge, but will be here staying with us at that time, and they're going to be reading also, and one of those is even a playwright. So where can people learn more about both the Writers' Colony and find Emerge? WritersColony.org. You can go on there and find out all there is to know about the Writers' Colony in general. If you go under Media, you'll see links to our Right Now podcast our Chinwag videos, which are um, featuring our scholarship and fellowship recipients. And then there's a link to Emerge, our literary magazine. And then uh, for upcoming events, if you go under news and events, you'll see workshops and events. We do have virtual workshops and in-person workshops, and sometimes they're just an hour and a half, and sometimes they're several days. And uh, we also host retreats. Um, which are usually coordinated by a group, um, but sometimes we will hold our own retreat that will include events within those retreats as well. Tara Cloud-Clark is the executive director of the Riders Colony at Dairy Hollow in Eureka Springs. She talked with me yesterday. You can find out more about the colony, the Emerge Literary Magazine, and the public readings at riderscolony.org. Every day at KUAF, we ask questions. That's a good question. I think right now. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, oh, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I so that's a good question, and I wish I had more data for you. But. Yeah, it's a good, really good question, like how it's different. Yes, yeah. that is a terrific question. 
asking the questions that matter to get you the answers you need. You can help keep Public Radio curious when you donate. Give online at supportkuaf.com. And thanks. Thank you indeed. And I bet Daniel Carruth, Timothy Dennis, Matthew Moore, Anna Pope, Jacqueline Froelich, and the other contributors that you hear on Ozarks at Large and KUAF hear that comment a lot. That's a good question. We take time to think of the good questions so we can bring you the best information and news available from sources around the KUAF listening area. So thank you for allowing us to do that. Thanks to everyone who allows us to talk to them. And the reason we can do these conversations, these interviews, these programs, well, it's because of you and listeners just like you. You may say, how does public radio work? That's a great question. Public radio works mostly with local funding. Now, the University of Arkansas does provide funding, and we do get grants from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, but that's, uh, I think, less than 20% now of our budget. I have to ask GM Lee Wood the exact number, but I do know that more than three-fourths of our pie comes from local business and you and listeners just like you. So if you appreciate having Morning Edition on in the morning to get you caught up what's happened in the last 24 hours or All Things Considered that catches you up with what has happened during the day or Ozarks at Large or the years that we've had of The Pick and Post with Mike Shirky or Shades of Jazz with Robert Ginsburg or The Generic Blues Show with Paul Kelso and all of the other shows that we have from This American Life, if you appreciate that we can afford to do this kind of service and bring you these kinds of programs, please remember we don't do it without listeners. And that includes you. Now, how it's worked for 35 years at KUAF is we all work together. Maybe you can afford $100. Maybe you can afford $20. Maybe you can afford $1,000 to support your listening habit. But when we pile it together, it brings us enough money to keep the lights on, to keep good microphones in the studio, and to keep programming coming to you. It's that simple. The people who use KUAF are the people who pay for KUAF. At least I hope if you use KUAF and you're able, you do contribute what you can. And you can contribute right now at supportkuaf.com, and thank you. The KUAF Giving Tree has been lit. This annual program from your public radio station benefits an area nonprofit that's looking for our community's help. This month of December, we're working with Seven Hills Homeless Center, working to develop and implement collaborative local solutions that foster hope, opportunity, and stability for people experiencing homelessness. Seven Hills provides a wide range of basic needs and housing services, as well as working with other community groups to help decrease homelessness in our community. Right now, Seven Hills' biggest needs are canned soups, coats, socks, gloves, and winter hats. Simply drop off your donation of new or gently used items at KUAF 9 South School in Fayetteville. You can find more information about Seven Hills online at 7 hillscenter.org The Giving Tree and KUAF Public Radio Make your voice matter And thank you to everyone and I mean it has been a steady uh, line of folks bringing in socks and jackets and canned soup Thank you so much for making this 10th year of The Giving Tree already a big success You can find us at 9 South School in downtown Fayetteville across from the Fayetteville Public Library Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large Courtney Lanning is back. First time that she's uh, talked about a movie with me in three weeks. We're going to talk about the 
second new version of Pinocchio that's been released this year. She didn't like the first one, but she says Guillermo del Toro's new version of Pinocchio that will be released on Netflix tomorrow. I'm quoting her because I talked to her earlier about it today. Godlike craft, one of the best movies of 2022, she says. We'll find out more. Plus, Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics and much more on tomorrow's Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Huntsville. Timothy Dennis produced today's show in the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Also reminded me that I've probably now done 80 fundraisers at KUAF. Thanks for that, Timothy. Contributors today included Timothy, Roby Brock, and Paul Gatling. Additional material today came to us from KUAR, Public Radio for Central Arkansas and Little Rock. Our theme written and performed by Daryl Sean. He's going to be on our show next week. Our show exists because of listeners like you who make contributions at supportkuaf.com. Thank you so much. All right. Let's end this Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large with music from one of my favorite people on the planet, Patty Steele. She'll be part of that big benefit Timothy mentioned earlier on our program that's going to take place Friday at Meteor Gallery in Bentonville. Also, her official Eureka Springs CD release show for her new CD takes place Sunday night at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. We love Patty Steele. She was in our Furman Garner Performance Studio earlier this year. Let's end with a song from that new CD from the Harold Blanchcock News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio. I'm Kyle Kellums. Be well. Lots of love to bring. True love never found. Gotta shine in love and light every day. On the bench in the county line Dreams abandoned Dreams that never did come true Isn't it amazing What love can put you through Jeremiah, my friend What's life telling you Pieces of puzzle Missing the mark Such a That's a lot of ground, true love never found, gotta shine your love and light every